Hi, I'm Elena Joe, and this is your Big Picture Relationships episode all about boundaries. Boundaries, such a buzzword in our culture, in any therapeutic reading or learning you ever do. And today I want to talk about it in a way that I bet you've never heard. And yes, if you heard me, just clap my hands. I did. That's how excited I am about this. Spoiler alert and grand summary, I will tell you what it is. Boundaries are actually all about you. And boundaries give you control and power over yourself and your environment. Boundaries are not something that other people have to follow. Stick with me to find out what I mean by this and let it change your life. This is Big Picture Relationships with Elena Joe, a therapist sharing insights, ideas, and real-life pep talks that encourage you to expand your perspective, maybe shift some behaviors, and make the most of real-life relationships so you can live a happy life right now. Hey guys, today's episode is one I have been thinking about and digesting and laying out in my mind for months, and I am so excited. I know I always say that, but I really am like excited to record and to share with you my thoughts about boundaries. As a therapist, I have this conversation with people all the time. I have this conversation with teenagers. I have this conversation with their parents. I have this conversation with staff that work with these teenagers. I have this conversation in my own life with friends, with family. The ideas about boundaries and how they interact in our lives and how they help us have control over our environment is so powerful. Because I think mostly people think about boundaries in the wrong way. So I am here today to pitch you this powerful, freeing idea that boundaries can help you feel control in your world. They can help you feel some semblance of control, even in relationships, not control of the other person. That's going to be the hint. We'll talk about that tons. But boundaries can help you feel some control and help you feel some power even in situations and with people that are out of your control. Because here's the secret. Boundaries are about controlling the environment in which you choose to place yourself. Boundaries are about controlling your environment by choosing the people that you allow to be close to you or the ways that people around you can act when you are going to stay. Boundaries are about the choices you make in those situations. A bad example. Let's start with a bad example of boundaries. Remember, I've worked with teenage girls for like a decade and a half. And in my early career, especially, I dealt with the 13 and 14 year old girls. And I was regularly on the home hanging out with them. And here's a phrase I heard nonstop. She's crossing my boundaries. And girls would throw this statement out like other people when they did things they didn't like, when they talked about subjects they didn't like, if they used language that they didn't like, their roommates or the girls around them, they'd pull the boundaries card and say, she's crossing my boundaries. And girls would get claimed or like they would blame girls for crossing their boundaries when they're swearing around them or about certain subjects like that's trigger. You can't talk about drugs. That's a trigger for me. Or you can't talk about that subject or that religion or Even there are girls that had obsessions like with dogs or fears of clowns or you name it. They would pull the boundary card and say, you can't talk about that around me. That crosses my boundary. That is a bad example of boundaries because girls were using boundaries to try to police everybody else. And the trick, what I want you to stretch your mind and think about is the fact that boundaries actually have very little to do with what other people do. You can't use boundaries to police other people. Does that make sense? If I am a sober person in recovery, 
I can't go to a party and expect that everyone's going to, out of respect for my newfound boundaries with alcohol, not drink either. If I'm a person who hates being touched and doesn't, you know, want people inside my bubble, and I go to a concert or a dance where people are jostling me from all sides, I cannot claim this is violating my boundaries or be mad at them for violating something because I can't use my boundaries to police other people. Okay, point made. Because you see here, the point is that boundaries are not about controlling other people. There's really nothing you can do to control other people. Spoiler alert, never in this podcast will I be able to give you a miracle cure for controlling other people. So what are boundaries for? Well, my description of what boundaries are for really is all intertwined, but for the sake of you trying to digest this, and so I can write it up in my show notes, let's divide into two different parts. First, I want to talk about how boundaries affect who you will let into your life. And not just let into your life, but stay in your life. I'll start with a a severe, kind of a dramatic, a fun story to drive this point home, and then we'll bring it a little closer to us. In my young adult years, I had a friend when we were both in our single time there who was dating a new boy and she adored him and thought he was super great, except that he was a heavy drinker and he would call her at night under the influence. And that really was triggering for her because she had just left a relationship where she'd been emotionally manipulated and abused by somebody under the influence. Substances were different, but however, she really had a strong boundary surrounding the type of relationship that she wanted in her future with that, that was sober, that was substance-free. And so rather than claiming to this really great guy that she was dating at the time, rather than claiming, you're crossing my boundary, or you can't do that, or it's, you know, alcohol or me, she was able to set a healthy boundary with a little bit of my help, I'll say, set a healthy boundary and say, do not call me when you've been drinking. And I do not want to be around you when you've been drinking, because that is what I need to do to protect myself. And that right there is a prime example of her setting this firm, clear boundary that was all about her and what she needed. And it was actually not at all about controlling him. Okay, it's really tricky to talk about just this part of who you will let into your life and stay in your life without quickly going on to my second point, which really intertwines. And the the second point is that boundaries are really about the environment that you will allow around you. And that environment might include the people around you or the situations that you'll allow yourself to be placed in. Now, I have another slightly dramatic story, and then I promise the real life stories will come. I think regularly about a story told by one of my favorite professors in college, and she was a counselor and had worked for years as a therapist, and she told a story about working with a woman who had small children, and this woman's husband was a fairly decent guy, but he had some control issues and sometimes got a little bit emotionally manipulative, maybe even abusive, over his control issues and when his wife did things that he didn't like. And one day that husband came home and got upset about something or upset about the state of the house or something like that. And he locked his wife out. The wife and the three small children like locked them out in the yard to show his displeasure, whatever the background story was. And so here's this wife locked out of her house for hours and hours and hours. And she's working with this therapist who was uh, my professor who's telling the story. 
And my professor said, here's what you need to do. If you have a boundary that you don't deserve to be treated that way, then you will take control of the situation. And here's, here's what you need to do. Keep a credit card in your pocket or in your car somewhere, somewhere you can get to it, or keep some house keys, or basically create a situation in which you can never be so powerless again. Now, notice that the boundary here wasn't, don't ever lock me out, or I'm ending this marriage, or how dare you treat me so poorly, I deserve better. This is simply a woman, a wife, a mother, setting a boundary for herself, saying, I deserve better, I deserve to never be locked out of my house again, And she deserves the right to then get her credit card and keep her cell phone on her and go down the road and find a hotel. Or, you know, talk about triggering her husband's control issues. (laughs) If, If it was about money, they were fighting. But she has the right to say, in this situation, I will not let myself be placed in such a powerless situation again. And here is my boundary. And here is what I am going to do about it if that is crossed again. Do you hear the difference in power in those situations? Rather than being a wife saying, don't do that to me again, that was totally violating. Here's a woman saying, don't do that to me again. I have a backup plan. And there's just more power, more confidence in that situation. So let's look at some less dramatic examples. I, myself, have a boundary that I will not be mistreated. Let's start with the teenagers that I work with. In my years doing this, I have worked with some really hotheads, kids who are not happy with me, kids who at home would be swearing up at a a storm, cussing at their moms, punching holes in the wall. Like, really, we're talking the most severe of severe teenagers, just one step down from being locked in detention. And yet, I could probably count on my 10 fingers the numbers of times that I've been called to my face a nasty name or a nasty swear word, or... I can count the number of times, and I think it's only one that I actually had something thrown at me, which missed me, by the way. It was a big pile of school books as I was walking away. Because, there we go, walking away. I will not stay in a situation where I am mistreated. And if a, if a session with a teenager who's getting escalated is going that way, and I'm on the verge of being mistreated or it's too intense for me at that moment, I will end it. I will end it politely if I can. And if it can't end nicely and politely... I will leave the situation. I will physically get up and walk away. That is a boundary that I have set. And what's kind of interesting, like I said, only a handful of times have I really been mistreated or poorly spoken about because I think that boundary of mine is so strong. It's recognized that my teenagers know that I won't put up with it. I won't put up with being mistreated. Now, that bleeds over into my own children. Not that they're swearing at me or, you know, calling me bad names like my teens might, but my own kids know that they cannot sass me. They cannot roll their eyes at me. It will, when they're little, I physically pick them up and put them in their room kindly, gently, but there's a clear boundary there that you do not mistreat me because here is what I, as the mom, will and will not tolerate in my immediate surroundings. And as my kids get older and they sass me, they're mean to me, they mistreat me, I send them to their room. And as they get bigger, if they really, you know, because I can't always send them to their room if they're getting real defiant as they get older, I will leave because I don't have to stay in a situation where I am mistreated. Now, some of you may have a partner or a spouse who sometimes gets ornery. And you know those nights where you just feel like you're getting the short end of the stick or somebody's in a bad mood, the person you're around, and you can just tell you're rubbing them raw in the wrong way. And I like that phrase, getting the short end of the stick. It doesn't mean that you've necessarily done anything wrong, but you know, 
I hope you know what I'm talking about. Now, of course, that you know would never happen in my perfect marriage, but here is what I would do if that sort of situation were to present itself. Now, here's the I'll give you the bad example first. The bad example of a boundary in that situation would be this. Why are you treating me like this? You're crossing my boundary. I mean, you wouldn't really say that, but why are you treating me like this? I deserve better. I know you had a hard day. I'm not your punching bag. That to me, it seems like a powerless situation where you're mad at the other person for crossing your boundaries. It's okay to state it. You can be like, hey, I deserve better, or I'm sorry you had a rough day, but I won't be your punching bag. But do you hear the difference? That's whining at somebody for not uh, respecting your boundaries or owning your own boundaries and saying, hey, I deserve better. And here's what I really would actually do in that situation if it were to happen, because I'm not a confrontational person. I would just leave. I would go read a book. I would go do something on my own, get out of the situation where I feel like I'm being slightly mistreated or getting the short end of the stick for things that aren't my fault. My boundary is that, hey, I deserve better. And I could just step out of the situation and step away rather than getting upset at my partner for treating me in a way that I think violates my not being mistreated boundary. Now, these situations I'm explaining, I hope are driving this point home that boundaries are not what you can police other people and make them do, but it is where you will or will not allow yourself to be placed. And when you're in early situations in your life, early dating, early friendships or with neighbors or, you know, people that you don't have to have in your life, I hope that your boundaries for how you deserve to be treated and how this relationship should go are confident and strong. And if those boundaries are violated repeatedly, then step away, step out, leave that relationship. If it's not somebody that you're bound to by blood or making a conscious choice to stay with, you have the right in your boundaries to just get away from that rather than trying to police other people your boundaries and be mad that they're violated all the time. Now, I know that not every situation is as clean cut and neat as I have described. So there are situations where you can't leave. Maybe you can't leave the situation. Let's say you're in the car and one of your children or a partner is mistreating you. Let's say that even if you're in a relationship or a situation that can't easily or quickly be disentangled from, there are times that you can't just escape something or completely control the environment that you are physically in. But there is a way that by setting this boundary and having it a mental boundary in your own mind, that you can disengage from the situation. Let's use a child. Let's say you've got a child of yours temper tantruming in the car or yelling at you, you know, kids get mad and I hate you or... You have the power in that situation to put this mental boundary around your brain and think, I'm disengaging from this. I'm not even going to go there. This is about them. This isn't about me. And to just really draw a mental boundary, if that makes sense. It almost is taking your mind to a different space and saying, I'm not engaging with this. This is not part of what I want in my life. And there, boom, you have drawn a boundary that's about you and not about them and their behavior and complaining about how they're violating your boundary. So in summary, I feel like this is a gigantic foundational piece of relationships for you to know and understand. And I can't think of any better ways to describe it. Of course, I've chewed on this idea for months. And now that I'm actually recording this episode, it seems to be falling flat. But 
keep in mind these boundaries, this life that you're creating, you have full power of that and control over that. So hold on to that. And anybody in your life who repeatedly violates that or who repeatedly shows disrespect for what you're asking of them and you can't disentangle yourself from that, I would think that's something worth looking at a little more closely. But in large part, your confidence in being able to set up an environment that is good for you and to set up and live by boundaries that disentangle you from sticky situations out of your control will make all the difference. So in closing, when you hear the word boundary, when you think about good, healthy boundaries, think about how it reflects on you and what you can do about a situation that you're in rather than getting frustrated about how somebody else isn't following your boundary. You follow your boundary. You make choices. Move your body. Move your spirit. Move your soul. Close off your heart. Put walls around your brain. Whatever it takes for you to follow your boundary, rather than expecting other people to follow your boundary. Keep that in mind, and if you have questions about this or other ideas, I would love to hear about it. You can email me anytime hello at elenajo.co. My happy hack for today is a very simple idea, but I have watched my kids who are 6, 8, and 12 at this time fall in love with music and share music and playlists and dance parties. And the way that they do that is through our old phones. I am an iPhone person, I'll admit it. So my old iPhones that I have, I can turn into iPods, basically, for these kids and share a family music account. So I guess it's a a twofold happy hack. Find old devices, even old phones, iPhones, and the magic is that you can lock those things down so tight. So in the in the, I don't know, restrictions, you can Google it. I won't describe it all here, but you can very easily put a passcode on it and put only the apps you want on that. So the the iPods, the old iPhones that float around my family have Spotify, their email, texting with only contacts I've approved, which are usually just us and cousins and grandparents and the babysitter. And I think that's about it. There's no internet. There's no social media. There's no YouTube. There's nothing they can go down the rabbit hole on and get sucked into electronics, but they can listen to music and they can dance and they create dance parties. And there's a few different iPods floating around my house so that they can send us hilarious texts and gifs, gifs, however you want to say it. So keep your old devices or find them or pick them up at a garage sale or ask your family members who have old ones laying around and Bring the gift of music and fun texting to your kids and your family at home. Thanks, guys. I look forward to talking to you next time. Visit www.elenajo.co for show notes and random photos, along with any handouts mentioned in this episode. Find elenajo.co on Instagram for daily big picture reminders. And join the big picture email list for an occasional pick-me-up in your inbox from Elena Joe. Thanks for joining us.